everybody. It is the Board Game Mechanics. Uh, I am Joel, and with me, as always, is... Hey, guys. What is going on? It is Jason. And welcome to Keyforge, the only Keyforge podcast. <laughs> Just kidding. We're not even going to talk about Keyforge tonight. We got too much nope. stuff to talk about. And actually, I'm kind of feeling like we don't have enough time for zany banter up here, hardly. So, I don't know. You got some wackadoo things to say here, Jason? Uh, no, not really. I'm all out of wackadoo today. All right, well, we'll just do this and go on. <laughs> it didn't quite get retired yet. We got to work it in a little sometimes. Yeah, I like it. All right, well, let's get to some news and some stuff played. All right, so I have a couple of games that I found on Kickstarter that I think seem interesting, and I'm only going to mention one of them. Well, I'm going to mention two, but the first one I wanted to mention is a space game. Imagine that, me talking about a space game. But, <laughs> yeah. All right, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. <laughs> exactly. Um, so this is from Garfield Games, which is the Raiders of the North Sea, Architects of the West Kingdom, that company. And I think the game is called Circadian's First Light. So this is an engine building and dice placement game set in space. Um, it's a new series that they're working on. So it looks like the designer is already working on the next game in the set and it's on Kickstarter now. So if you're interested in it, go check it out. I think it's already over 400% funded. I believe that's what I saw when I looked, I might be wrong, but it's going to fund its space. It's Garfield. There's really nothing else to say about this one. Yep. I, yeah, I have a very, I don't know if I've talked about this on here yet or not, but I'm only going to buy 10 games this year, so I've got to be so selective with stuff. So I'm going to go look at this one just because they put out really good stuff all the time. But uh, I don't know, man. It's it's a challenge on that one for sure. Yeah. Um, I'm not even into space, but I saw the, the screenshots on Kickstarter on this look amazing. It has so many pieces. It doesn't even have stretch goals. They said they're just going to upgrade all the components from the start. So you're going to get what the game is, none of that messing around. So that's kind of cool. The fact that it's a kind of honest Kickstarter too makes me want to go support it. That's true. Yeah. Other companies should take that lead for sure. Yep. So the next game I have is a dungeon crawl. So I'm just hitting all the crazy things that I don't like. Where's Jason? (laughs) I don't know. So this game is called Nocturian, I believe. I don't know how you say it, but, and it's by Vesuvius Media. And this is a dice rolling worker placement game that has some resource management in it. And the one thing, the one reason I wanted to put it on here, I mean, I like dice, dice rolling and worker placement. So that's one. But the second reason I wanted to put it on here is because the artwork is by the same artist that did the new brass from Roxley. So when you look at the game on Kickstarter, it has that same kind of feel. Like when I was looking at it, it kind of felt like I was looking at brass. So. I like the idea of the game. I could care less about the theme, and the artwork is really gorgeous. So I wanted to talk about this one. So Nocturian by Vesuvius Media. I uh, I want to just mention this while we're in the news still. Um, the reason why you're hearing so many Kickstarters that are dungeon crawls and space games is because apparently Euro games on Kickstarter aren't very good. Uh, more on that later. Um, they're fine. They're fine. Uh, and, and then the other piece, <laughs> the, the other piece of interesting, uh, news is, um, I guess I found out that, uh, Teotihuacan, uh, I guess the copies that are out there now are just the final product. So it's not an unfinished prototype. They're actually 
going to look like that at the end. And uh, so I, I guess I've learned a lesson too that we'll talk about later again that just because the game looks amazing doesn't mean it's going to be amazing. So maybe that one not looking amazing means it's going to be amazing. I don't know. Um, but I might, man, I'm tempted now, Jason. I did pick this game up today. Oh, to walk in. I mean, you did. Where did you get it at? Did you pry it out of like a delivery man's old dead hands or how did you find a copy? <laughs> no, I was actually walking around the game store that I go to while my kids are at Awana. I just go, usually Katie and I go out to eat, but she was doing something else tonight. So I took my oldest and we went to the game store and they actually had a copy hanging out there and it was in my price range. So that's amazing being at a game store and it's still within my budget that I want to spend on games. So I picked it up. That's pretty awesome. Those tiles don't look as terrible in real life. Good. Good. They look like someone wrote on like pieces of foam and Sharpie in the pictures I've seen. So, yeah. good. If they look better in real life, that's great. They look, I, they look uh, better. And I think they're actually some kind of wood. I, guess. I, uh, I hear that my... Uh, I, I hear now that... Okay, so this is some hot insider news, okay? The new wave is shipping next week of Teotihuacan. It's now an exclusive with GTS which is a distributor, and uh, they'll be shipping out next week. So if if your local game shop is an alliance-only shop, which there are those out there, then you won't get this one. So it's kind of coming out through a weird distributor, and they're sh- they shifted distributors. And I can't help but think that might be because of the merger between – this is an NKSN game, right? Or yeah. No, it's not. Oh, it is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I can't help but think this is because of the merger. Maybe the distribution channels have sw- like shifted, maybe. So I don't think it's going to be a short run. I think there'll be plenty of copies available eventually, but it is kind of hard to find right now. You're right. Yep. So I had to snatch it up. So I'm pretty pumped about that. So that's all I have about news. And the fact that I got Teo to walk in today is exciting. Yeah, that's, uh, huh. That's pretty cool. Uh, I guess uh, there's no more delaying it, Jason. We got to talk about what we played. And I'm, I guess uh, we'll wait till after the bumper to talk about that. Hey, Jason, good news. What's that? Um, we don't have to look foolish because we both played Goo Gong and we <laughs> got to understand that it's just a game. That's it's, true. It's not this final solution for board gaming greatness. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I, so Yeah. I, okay. I'm going to just tell the narrative of this thing. You and I have been waiting for this game since it was kickstarted back in like May or something last year, right? I, it feels like it was May or April. I don't remember exactly when it was. It, but we it was were, a while, yeah. We were hyped about it. It was supposed to come out in October, which I thought was like a pretty aggressive timeline for that to happen anyway. But then it doesn't come out in October or November or December. So we're like waiting, waiting, waiting. And this game just looks awesome. We're seeing all these pictures pop up from around the world. We're seeing their final components on the updates. And we are just hyped for this game. And then Jason and I both get shipping notices. I think you got yours after mine, but you got your game first, which is weird. Um, because Ohio is better at delivering packages than Indiana. <laughs> That's, That's a true. hot take for all those Indiana <laughs> postmen that listen to this. And there is at least one. So, uh, <laughs> no, it's not your fault, Sean. Um, but, <laughs> but <laughs> so you get your package, you play it last night, and then I'm going to let you go ahead and take off from there. Basically, with what you what you told me and what you think. All right, so I played it two-player with Katie. Um, we played the whole game in under an hour, learning and playing. And when I was setting it up and reading through the rule book, I was like, man, this is going to be beefy and heavy. I'm ready to dive into this. And then we get to playing it, and it turns out it's like a upper light to lower medium style worker placement game. Now, 
I was expecting it to be heavier, but it does have some mechanisms that are really cool and I really enjoy, like the card playing mechanism where you're replacing a card with a higher card to take the actions of the space. That's really genius and hasn't been done before, and I really like it. There's still some good decisions to be made, but I think the because it looked so awesome, I wanted it to be more awesome. So, again, I only played it at two. I'd like to play it at more players before I reserve my final judgment, but so far, uh, it's not living up to as much hype as I put on this game. Which it would have been hard to do, because I think we were both thinking this was going to be game of the year 2018, had it come out in 2018. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so Jason Jason says, like, he gets real quiet. He's like, real pretty game. Got a chance to play it. <laughs> yep. Pretty game. Real pretty. I did say that. And you're like, it's good. I'm like, oh, geez. Because Jason's word's amazing. Like, he says amazing. When things are amazing, he says amazing. So immediately, I'm like, a sound machine's worth a thousand words. My brain goes. <laughs> so... <laughs> So uh, I, I don't know. It's uh, I, I'm I have more realistic expectations. My copy arrives today, the day of the recording, um, and Luke and I, my son and I, played uh, a two player game as well. And I think I liked it maybe better than you. I don't know about the same. I, I would say it's a seven out of ten, um, but it's definitely not near as heavy as I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be a 4.0 or at least a 3.5, and it's really like a 2.5 to 2, probably, right, on yeah. the heaviness scale. So it's way lighter than I thought it was going to be. But I agree with you fully. It's one of the most beautifully created games I've ever played, except for the glaring typo I found in the directions. But um, a weird typo in the directions in one of the examples. But other than that, and then the card being screwed up, it's been handled pretty well. The the components are great. The insert's really good in most ways. The only thing I don't like about the insert is like they put like a tray on the uh, uh, like lid on the bottom tray for the card portion, which I mean the cards could slide out of there and go everywhere, and that would be a catastrophe that would take us upwards of forty seconds to restack those cards. <laughs> right. <laughs> but then they had these like loose rocks like just sitting in there like uncovered. That uh. as soon as you lay your box sideways, there's going to be like the jangle of jade all over that box. So <laughs> right, yeah. that was an interesting production decision, but um, I, I won't criticize that too much. It's kind of hard to pull components out of the player trays. Um, like I've got fat fingers, I guess. So it's hard for me to pull them out, but um, it's per- beautifully produced. But the thing that I think you said that I'm going to just back up a hundred percent is that card playing mechanism is new and cool. Um, it really is. That's worth the price of the game right there. Like just to try that cool mechanism. I enjoyed it a lot. Well, and there's more to it. So, like, when you draw the cards back out, like, you can match them up to these die. So, it makes your choices another layer meaningful that you're trying to say, okay, well, this round, threes are worth two extra workers at the end of the game. So, I wouldn't normally burn this seven on a three, but, like, because you have to play a card that's up or pay a really steep price, um, I would normally burn this seven on this six because, you know, like... It's just a better use of this seven, but the threes are worth a couple guys, so it makes you think maybe I should go there instead. Um, and then the other the other piece too is these cards give you rewards when you play them, like extra actions, some of them. So sometimes you're trying to figure out what cards do I want to put into my next hand. Like you're creating your next hand by swapping these cards out, basically. So that's a really clever mechanism. I think that's super clever. Like the way how it's almost it's like card placement. That's like worker placement, really. Um, it's like almost like dice placement done with cards. And 
I think it's really clever how that you're generating your next hand by doing that too. All that's super clever, but it just doesn't feel like that mechanism is used fully. So I, my prediction on this is that that mechanism of like the card placement and like upgrading cards is going to be used in another game soon, and it's going to be more gratifying and fulfilling. Like they're going to take that and make it into something really cool, um, some designer somewhere. And I don't know. I that's just my thing on it. It just doesn't feel like you're building something that's connected or grand or cool. It just feels like you're doing a bunch of little mini games with that mechanism almost. Yeah, I mean. I want to play this game again. Like, I'm excited to actually try it again. So, I enjoyed it. I just, had I not been so hyped about it, I think I may have actually liked it more than I did. So, you know, and and then my favorite part of the whole game was the bottom where you're moving your ship around and trying to get your double worker and get the extra card in your hand and all that. Like, I really liked that part of the game because that, that really kind of opened it up. You get that those two extra cards, you have six actions that you can take in your turn instead of four. So... You know, that's going to give you 50% or, you know, 200% more work that you can do than your opponent. And yeah, I don't know. I really enjoyed that part. And that's probably the most complicated part of the whole entire game, too. So maybe that's why I liked it. Yeah, it's weird because cards are like workers and workers are like money. Right. Kind of in this game. Yeah. Yeah. And so I don't know. It's it's a good game overall. The other thing, too, is I've read enough reviews that say it's okay at two, fine at two, playable at two, really good at four and five. So, I'm going to look forward to playing this with a full table and see what happens. Have you looked on the other side of that board yet on the four or five player side to see what all they added? Cause I haven't. No, I think there's an extra route on the, the, the river. I think it has two pathways instead of oh, one, Good, but I don't know. I don't know what else has changed because that river is really powerful, but unless you make a very deliberate and expensive bid to, to do it, you, aren't going to get a lot out of it because I mean, I did, I didn't do a whole lot with it, but it just, it takes a lot to get the benefits out of it. It feels like, and to keep moving that down. Um, and you have to do it early because there's like an automatic timing thing where your stuff just keeps getting better passively. So I don't know. I think it's really cool for sure. Um, that track that you have to keep moving up and you can kind of passively do it by getting extra placements on it, like through the wall and stuff at the temple of holiness or whatever it's called that you have to make it to the top of the temple. If you're going to be eligible to win, that's kind of a cool thing too. Um, there's a lot of really cool pieces in this. And I think really the biggest thing too, is that I really want to see how it plays with a full player count. That's going to be pretty huge. Yeah, I agree. Once I, uh, get four people over, I'm going to bust this game out for sure because i want to see maybe it like tightens it up a little bit maybe there's more interaction with the cards and it kind of gives you more options to hit the destiny dice stuff so we'll see i still like it i just wanted more yeah i never felt like the places i wanted to go on the board on two players were in any kind of competition ever and i feel like things didn't fill up very fast so like i did the traveling on the top of the board a lot and luke never did that i mean he just let me have it like i could get whatever i wanted up there and I could move it up by an increment of one number each time I played down there. Um, and then and then also, like, he did the river, and I really didn't mess with that either. So I don't know. There's just – I think it'll be better with more players. The more I think about it, though, the more I think about how cool this game is. Because if you go to a really expensive place and pay those two workers to downgrade your card, like, you're going to get a really good card for the next round then, you know? So, I mean, like, I don't know. It's – it's really clever. That card playing mechanism is really good. And 
I don't know. It might end up being one of those games that grows on me quite a bit. And as I understand how to better manipulate that system, it becomes more fulfilling or better to play. But I think really the thing that was just disappointing to me is honestly, like it felt like those seven zones on the board aren't really connected. It's like, okay, we're doing this over here. And then over here, we're doing this thing. And over here, we're doing this totally separate thing. Whereas like on a like real heavy, rich, like Vidal Asserta type game, it's like, I really want to do this action here. But in order to make that cog turn, I've got to build three other cogs to connect to it to crank this cog over here. You know what I mean? And I just didn't feel that way on this. Like I felt like I was pretty well able just to immediately do what I wanted to do. And there was no build up to anything. Like I just, I don't know. That was my criticism of it, I guess. Yeah, I can see that. The one space that I thought that I was going to clean up on was the jade. I thought, man, I'm just gonna, I can collect five jade. That's no problem. Then at the end of the game, I had two. <laughs> the jade, yeah, it's expensive. The jade's really hard to get, yeah. It can, I mean, you just have to pay a ton of workers, and it's a good place to dump workers if you've got just a ton of workers, but I never had a lot of workers ever. So, or servants, I guess. Right, yeah. Not workers. Me neither. I, just, I was always super tight on servants. So, I don't know. It's a really good game, though. Yeah, I think we talked about it enough. So, yeah, I'd probably give it a seven with you. So, seven out of ten for now. It could go yeah. up when I play with more people. I, I don't know if it would have made my top five games of 2018 had I played it last year, but it probably would make the top ten. Squeak in. Yeah, I can see that. I would agree. Cool. All right. So, now we're going back to our top 100, and we are going to talk about numbers 80 through 71 today so in theory these should be better than the ones we've talked about previously in our opinion at least so 10 percent. yeah that's just true 10 percent. so that's enough talking about it i'm just going to dive into my number 80 and let me find that number 80 and Jason, you're a good guy if if i were left with a clone of myself to make this podcast it would <laughs> probably be like nine hours long <laughs> Yeah, probably. You're you're not wrong. Um, so my number 80 is a PDB game. Philip Dubarry, for those of you who don't know our lingity. And it is Spirits of the Rice Paddy. So this is a game that has a terrible rule book. But once you get through that, there's a really good game in there. So what you're trying to do is you're playing these cards to invoke these spirits um, that are going to come and either bless or curse your rice paddy. And on a turn, there's going to be water that comes in to the first player's rice paddy. It's going to trickle down through their rice paddy, flooding it. Maybe, um, you know, you can then empty it out so you can then harvest your rice. It's going to flow from one player's field into another. And then you're going to have these little animals that can come in and eat the bugs that are in there. They're going to fertilize it by dropping a deuce in your paddy. And... You're just trying to be the person who can harvest the most rice at the end of the game. It's going to take place over, I'm not sure, I don't remember the number of rounds, but it takes place over so many rounds, and then whoever has the most points at the end of the, is the winner. Uh, it's broken into two halves. You do like a card draft each each time, each half, and the cards get significantly better in the second half. So if you're into Euro games and you like different themes, then I would d definitely recommend this one, and that is Spirits of the Rice Paddy, number 80. Here's what I know about that game, Jason. It has cool recessed boards on it, right? Like some parts of the boards are recessed. Oh, yeah. The, yeah, the boards are amazing. And then I know that I traded my copy of Reef for it and should have a copy soon. Nice. Yeah. Reef, Reef didn't make the top 100. So uh, 
I don't know. Yeah, be prepared. The rule book is garbage. But once you can get through that and maybe watch a video, it's a good game. Yeah, it, and then uh, Rice Dice came out this last year, which is the express version, I guess. I, I haven't had a chance to really even look at that one yet, and I don't even know if it's out yet. So that's one that we may be looking for here in 2019, too. Yep. My game number 80 is a spiel winner that no one owns and no one's played. Um, any guesses? Uh, Memphis, Mississippi Queen. No, that's a good, that's a really good guess. <laughs> uh, I'm the only person I know who owns this game or enjoys this game or plays this game anymore. And that's Turn in Taxis. Uh, I like it a lot. It's a version of Ticket to Ride, basically, that has a slightly different, like, card selection mechanism in it where you can draw these cards that kind of give you like benefits that are slightly different if you take the rules of these different guys it's also got this race thing where if like you're the first person it kind of feels a little like council of four where if you like meet certain criteria and you're the first person to do it you get to take these little chits that are worth more points than the rest it's really honest to goodness to me feels like tickets to ride with two extra layers of complexity on it um i just i really like it the fact that it's about the postal service in Germany in like the 14th century or something doesn't matter. Like it's it's still a good game. Um, it's just really cool. Uh, the only thing that's really tough about it to me is that I know geography fairly well in the United States, especially. So like when I've got to figure out how to like complete routes and stuff, it's not a huge deal to me. Um, and the card, like the city location on the cards, isn't near as important in Ticket to Ride. And this one, it's like the cards, you really have to know where these cities are at uh, to make the machines work and to make like your your routes work and everything. And like I always am always trying to figure out where are these cities at. And I have, I have to spend a lot of time familiarizing myself with the board. But other than that, I really do like this game. And this is one that I'll play. I don't even play this one more than about maybe once a year. But what, every time I play it, I'm like, oh, that's good. That's why it's still in my collection. Um, this is a this is kind of a like if you're familiar with the dice tower, this is kind of a Z Garcia pick because like this one's one that I don't think was popular enough. It'll get a reprint, and it's definitely super out of print. Um, Rio Grande brought this one to the states, but I think it was Hansem Gluck that had it over overseas, and I just I don't think it'll ever be back. I think you maybe can get it off Amazon.de in Germany, um, but paid German shipping. So um, cool game though overall. Turn in taxis. Yeah, this is one I want to play, but again, it's criminally out of print. So unless I play yours, I'll probably never get a chance. So, yeah. and like, well, that means we'll never get a chance because there's always like seven other games that <laughs> we play before it. Right. And yeah. we just don't get to play that much. So, right. Yeah, I don't need to play a a game that's essentially Ticket to Ride when I can just play Ticket to Ride. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's uh, it's yeah. I know it gets compared to Ticket to Ride a lot, but it's it is different. I think the only way we'll play this, Jason, is if you and I live in the same like retirement community. And like have our board game shelves there and we have nothing but time and, and uh, places to play board games. Right. Yeah. Let's work on that. That's true. Yeah. All right. My number 79 is a game that is a sequel to a game that was out before that was really popular and it is King of New York. So this is one of the lighter games that I really enjoy because it's essentially Yahtzee, but you have these little beasties that you're pretending like you are so you're rolling these six dice and you're going to try to get claws to damage everybody else to make your way into new york the longer you can stay in new york the more points you get which are also stars you're going to buy these cards to do some special powers and you just want to be either the last one alive or the first person to 20 points easy game 
it's just silly fun. So if you like rolling dice and pretending you're a big beastie like King Kong, uh, this is definitely a game you should check out. And that is King of New York, my number 79. My number 79, and that's a good pick. I uh, I like I like Tokyo quite a bit. I'm not sure if it made my list or not. I guess we'll find out um, later. And that's like not even me being coy. I don't remember if I put it on the list or not. <laughs> uh, my number 79, Jason, so we can, I guess, kind of keep moving on with this. So it's not seven hours long. It's by a designer named Helmut Ohre. So if you had to guess a game by someone named Helmut Ole, you're probably going to guess a pretty heavy game. And this one's not super heavy. Um, but this is the same designer as Russian Railroads. And uh, the game I'm actually talking about isn't Russian Railroads because I don't have that one. I've only played it a couple times. This game, however, I do own, and it feels really similar. It feels like a light express version of that almost. And that's called First Class All Aboard the Orient Express, or as everyone in the world calls it, First Class. Um, a really cool game where you're just trying to build this train and advance this other little track. Um, it's just a great game. Really good game. Um, this one I don't see going down either next year. I see this one only going up as I get to play it more. Um, this is one of those games too. It's a Z-Man game. So it's one of those games that just kind of silently came out, was there. And the art on it looks like it was from 10 years ago. It looks like Turn and Taxi's art <laughs> like to connect it to the last game. I mean, like that era of board games. And so this is a game from 2017, I think, and and it just it doesn't look like it at all. It's just probably sitting on your local shop's shelf collecting dust because nobody thinks, hey, that's a cool game. And it's a great game. It's really good. And I just this is one of those games that I see just going up, up and up as I play it more and more. And it's just such a good game. Card drafting, building this train, advancing this other little toy train kind of looking thing to get a reoccurring benefit um, and not heavy, really. I mean, like maybe a two point. 2.5 to a 3 on the heaviness scale. Um, just a good game, though. Russian, uh, Not Russian Royal. It's first class. Yeah, I wouldn't mind trying this one. It seems kind of interesting. I haven't played any of these like train games like this other than Ticket to Ride is like, the only train game I've ever played, So, and it's not really a train game. So this one looks kind of interesting, though. So I would play it if given the chance. Yeah, I think you'd like Russian Railroads quite a bit more. And I mean, like, I think I like Russian Railroads maybe better if I had to say, but just the availability of that game has made it really like maybe kind of scorn it a little bit. And this one does a lot of what that one does in a package that's on clearance bins right now. So, uh, yeah. Nice. First class. All right. My number 78. Uh, this may actually be one of the lightest games on my list. It might even be lighter than King of New York. I don't know. Um, but it is World's Fair 1893. Mm. So essentially all this game is, it's a little simple area majority set collection game. You're taking these cubes, you're putting them on a space on the board, and you're collecting some cards. You're trying to get certain colors of cards to get these little ribbons. If you can get like a set, I don't know if you need the same color or different colors, but if you can do whatever you need to do, you can score a pile of points. And you're trying to do all this before the round marker reaches the other side of the Ferris wheel easy game it takes about 42 seconds to explain i kind of just explained it to you so if you like area control slash majority games and set collection i would say give this one a go and that is world's fair 1893 yeah you just explained how to play it basically right there it's like put one of your markers on one of these like pie slices and take the cards that are on that pie slice and then like use those cards like later in the game like it's the most easy area majority game you could think of combined with a really easy drafting game. And then the cards need a little bit of explanation, like with the set collection kind of thing. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, like, just a really easy game where you're just balancing, do I want the more powerful cards or do I want to get try and get a majority in this place? Um, so yeah, really cool with a couple of little like special power cards in there. Not a bad game at all, but like you said, super light. Yep. For sure. Yeah, good pick, Jason. Uh, my number 78 is one that it might insult you. It's number 78, Jason. Um, this is, again, area control. Like This is like a widespread, easily accessible area control game. Um, it's almost like the ticket to ride of area control, I would say. Um, and that's Royals. This one was in the um, Dice Tower Essentials line a um, couple years ago. Uh, it had a fairly big release, but then it just like I, it just died. Like I still hear people talking about Sheriff Nottingham and playing that game in the Dice Tower Essentials line. This one, the next one that came out in the series, like it just seriously came out, and a month later it was like, oh yeah, I forgot about that game. Um, it could be it doesn't have like totally a lot of table appeal. It looks like your standard dry euro, um, but it's pretty good, and uh, it's all about just just like hooking into these royal families and trying to influence these different positions within like the uh, the like different regions of the board. It's a it's a really cool like area control kind of area influence kind of game. Um, like it a lot. And then there's like set collection kind of almost in it too. Cause you're trying to get like sets of people that are under your influence at the same time to get certain criteria. And then it's also pretty cool because not only are you trying to get like regions to have your majorities in, but like certain, like the Cardinals or the Kings or whatever like that too. So it's kind of a couple things going on at once. The thing that's really noteworthy about this game. And I think makes it like memorable is that when there's a tie, you pop apart these like little like trackers and they're like puzzle pieces and each of you gets a puzzle piece and it kind of splits the points for you. So I think that's kind of cool. Yeah. I, I like this game a lot. This, if I had to choose between a uh, ticket to ride or another game like that, this would definitely be the game that I pick it has that same kind of card mechanism, but the area control is a little more interesting to me than building the route. So I like Royals a lot. Yeah. I, I would be surprised if it's lower than 78 because that's I know those games already, and I won't be surprised if it's higher. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Um, <laughs> all right, so my number 77 is a game that I just got the chance to review earlier this year. I did a Kickstarter review, and I actually have the full copy here coming sometime shortly. And it is from Cobblestone Games. It's a biblically-themed biblically game called The Axe. Um, it's not a co-op game, which is one of the reasons why I like it. Um, so everybody's playing as a different color of church or country or whatever. And you're trying to go around this map and preach and pray and try to clear the land of sin all the while building churches. And it's, it's a race to be the first person to hit a point threshold. So based on the number of players, it's the, that tells you what points you need to get to first to be the winner. So you're trying to be more efficient moving around the board and taking all these actions than the other player. So it has cool little meeples. Um, it's basically a worker placement game, but the actions that you can take are a little different than some other worker placement games. So my number 77 is the axe. Don't know a thing about it other than it seems really cool. Um, and I'd be interested to play your copy if we have margin in our little bit of time that, that we get to play. It's kind of cool that it's 77 and seven's like associated with like uh, spirituality. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just a coincidence, I think. <laughs> you don't know another weird coincidence? This is why we're God's chosen podcast for board games. 
My number 77, again, just totally by coincidence, because I use the board game ranking engine, commissioned. So <laughs> That is awesome. <laughs> pretty pretty weird. I think God just anointed this podcast. So <laughs> you guys all have, uh, have seen this televangelist on TV where they tell you if you send them like money, you'll get 10 times back more from God. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, if you offer us a trade of 10 board games for one, then somehow you'll get 10 board games back. <laughs> That's not true. That's a stretch of a joke. Uh, maybe didn't even make it. That might be on the cutting room floor. But anyway, my number 77 is commissioned. It's a religious-themed uh, cooperative game where you are doing like kind of a reverse pandemic sort of thing. You're trying to get the cubes to spread. Um and it's got like minor bits of deck building. It's got one kind of weird gimmicky thing where like at times you can't talk to each other, which is kind of cool, kind of unique, but like a little bit of a weird gimmick. But this is the first game that I think I played. Where I was like, oh, okay. So the religious theme of this game definitely comes through. This game conveys and makes you feel a little bit what like the first century church probably felt. Um, but it's still fun, and it's not like Bibleopoly that you would find in family bookstores, <laughs> where it's like, "Oh, I'm buying Deuteronomy. <laughs> don't don't pass the sin sin vault, or you'll go straight to purgatory." I don't know. <laughs> like, it's actually a good game. So, commissions my number seventy seven. Yeah, that is a great. Um, uh, I wouldn't say great, but that's a good game. It would be great if it wasn't cooperative. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so. My number 76, it's a good thing that it's on my list because I kind of made some comments last week that people are afraid to put this on their list. So my number 76 is Takenoko. I'm not going to say that if it was exactly on this list last week, but it is this week. So 76, Takenoko. <laughs> you already discussed it. Uh, it's got a cute panda. It's got a farmer. You're trying to go around and eat bamboo, meet these goals. It's, again, it's kind of a race to be the first person to hit a number of goals, and then you, you're the winner. So... If you like cute games that are really simple to pick up, uh, I definitely say check this one out. If nothing else, for the art and the cool 3D bamboo that you get a stack. So, number 76, Takenoko. Kudos to you for having the guts to put this one on your list, Jason. Good job. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> uh, my number 76 is... It would have been really cool if I had to put like 1776, Spirit of the Revolution, or whatever that game's called, but I didn't. I put gizmos there instead, which uh, Jason's not going to be like, why is that so low? He's going to be like, why is it on the list at all? I don't think Jason cared for this one, nope. but I like it. It's a real simple engine builder. You're just trying to get it a machine built in front of you that's going to let you collect as many marbles as possible in one turn and then maybe get some extra actions while you're doing that as well. Um, it's just all about trying to get these cards that synergize and go together well to let you draw the most marbles you can get so that you can buy more cards that are hopefully going to synergize with what you've got going on. And it's basically a race to try and get the most cards in front of you. Um, it sometimes works out that the people who just burn through the cheap cards and get like a bunch of cards in front of them can just like rush to the end and win. Sometimes somebody can have two or three less cards than the other guys, but have a couple of those bigger cards and score enough points to edge them out. But it really does kind of feel like a race the whole time to get all those cards in front of you. Uh, but that's Gizmos. Yeah. All right. Uh, my number 75 is... I'm not even going to discuss Gizmos because that's how I feel about that. So my number 75 is is a game that was in my collection, but everybody that I played it with hated it. Uh, Katie aboard this game. Um, she refused to play it with me ever, and that is Twa, or Troyes, however you want to say it, but it's pronounced Twa, but it looks like Troyes. This is a dice placement game. 
where you're trying to go claim these areas on these cards so you get special benefits. You're also using certain dice to go fight off these attacks that are coming in to destroy your city. The interesting thing about this is you can use other people's dice from their dice pool, but you have to give them money. So say you had three yellow dice and I really wanted some, I could pay you some money, take that dice or take that die and use it for my own. So that's an interesting twist on the the dice placement, worker placement mechanism, and I dug it. Games dry as can be, but if you like dry Euro games that have some different mechanisms, I definitely recommend Twa. So that's my number 75. This game I hear a couple things about. Um, one is that it's ugly. Two, um, well, the box is. And two, and I, I can attest to that myself. I've seen the box. But the one that I hear about it, too, is that in the first couple of plays, it's okay, a little slow, a little stale. But it gets better on repeated plays. So, I'm, man, that's too bad that I wasn't the one that traded it out of your collection. Um, I don't know. That said, I don't play games more than about twice anymore, it feels like. So, yeah. Uh, cool pick, though. I think that's a classic there. Yep. Number 75 for me. I, this is weird. Like, I kind of wish I could think of another game off the top of my head to put on there instead. Um, my number 75 is Suburbia, which is a perfectly good game, but I'm just surprised it made it this high on my list, honestly. Um, it's a fine game. It's building a little city, and you're... You're going to synergize basically all these tiles with other people's cities. You're going to try and like see if you can trigger things within your city to make your city better. Um, it has a couple expansions that do make the game a little better, a little more replayable. But that game is Suburbia from BZA Games. Yeah, I haven't played Suburbia, but I have played Mad King Ludwig. I know it's not the same, but that's all the knowledge I have about Suburbia. So, yeah, I'll move on to my number 74. You're actually wrong. They are the same. Um, <laughs> yeah, I have no idea. They're fairly close. I mean, I'm people who love both those games are going to say they aren't, but they're, they're really similar in a lot of ways. They're tile placement, laying games that the tiles synergize. The way how you get the tiles is a little different, but yeah, I, they're, they're similar enough. Cool. Yeah. I'll try it sometime. Uh, my number 74 is a two player game. I think the publisher is actually Mattel, which is kind of weird. And it is Spirits of the Wild. So this is a game, I think that was, it came out at Gen Con or was announced at Gen Con or something. And what you're doing is you are pulling these stones from this bag, put them in this bowl, and you're trying to gather certain types of stones to make the, to fill in these constellations that you have on your little player board. Once you can complete a constellation, you might be able to get these special bonus cards. They're going to give you special powers. And you're doing all of this through playing a card in front of you. So everybody has the same five cards. You're going to take a card. When you use it, you're going to flip it face down. And once you flip so many cards, you have to reset yourself. And then you can go again. And you're going to do that until so many of these special stones are out. I think it's four of these white stones. That's going to trigger the end of the game. And then whoever has the most points is the winner. It's a good game. It's interesting. It's like a, it's like bag building kind of, but... It's a shared bag, which is fun. So my number 74, Spirits of the Wild. Yeah, that's crazy that this basically like target game made it this high on your list. Yeah, it's good. Like I'm surprised too, but it looks good and it's super fast. Like you can play a whole game in like 20 minutes. It's really good. Hey Jason, my number 74. It dropped 73 spots. <laughs> nice. Uh Gloomhaven. Uh Man, this game had a lot of really cool stuff happening with it. It had 
a fair amount of hype, but it had just this box full of just treasure that you were working your way through. And it was just, it felt like you were playing D and D almost or something with a cool mechanism to it, like a Euro mechanism almost in there. And it was just really awesome. And just such a fun time for like 20 plays. And then on play 20, I pulled the game out and spent 40 minutes setting up the scenario that I was going to play and then played the scenario and got totally destroyed. And then I said, let's try it one more time and play the scenario and got totally destroyed. And that those two getting destroyed took 40 minutes. And then I said, well, I guess I'll spend the next 45 minutes putting the game away now. So I just, I don't know. This one died off for me because it just is such a big brute to put away and take out. And I just don't have time to do that. And if I had a game room where I could have this thing set up and play it all the time, I would be much higher. The other thing too is this is a legacy game. And my partner for playing this game uh, it was my son, and he just got too busy to play it regularly. So it was like we couldn't remember where we were at in the campaign, and it just got clunky, hard to pull out, hard to put away, and then just we didn't play with enough regularity that it made it a lot of fun. Like It felt like a story we were continuing on. So I respect the heck out of people who love this game. I respect this game like crazy, and I think it is a great game. It's still number 74, even with all those negative things, because it is such a fun adventure to play. It's really great, and if I were in a different scenario in life, this would be so much higher. I wish, I want this to be higher on my list. It just isn't, unfortunately. 74, Gloomhaven. All your hate mail can go to Jason at BGMechanics.com. That's my my name is Jason. Uh, I'm Jason, the man from Ohio who hates Gloomhaven. <laughs> I can't hate it. I've never played it. But I know this is not a game that I would like. So, yeah, if people want to play it, that's fine. Go for it. It's just not one that's on my radar at all. All right. So my number 73 is another Yahtzee-style game. This must be my Yahtzee section. And it is Yahtzee meets poker, and that is Dice Town. Uh, I don't know why I like this game so much. It's a simple game, but I think the reason I like it is because I've played it so much at like my church or with people who aren't normally gamers, and it always goes over gangbusters. So you're rolling dice, you're collecting poker hands. Based on the result of the poker hand, you might get some gold nuggets. You might get some land cards that are worth points at the end of the game. You might get to become a sheriff and then be able to break ties. It's silly. It's fun. Kind of makes you feel like you're in the Wild West as much as a Yahtzee game can do. So if you like Yahtzee and you like post poker, I say check this one out. And that is Dice Town, my number 73. I uh, I uh, don't like this one that much anymore. I think this one dropped out of my top 100. It's fine. I actually got rid of my copy this year. The money in it's really cool. I like the plastic paper That's money. That's true. That is cool. Um, it's a fine game. It's like way better than playing poker. Like if someone said, hey, do you want to play poker or come play... Dice Town, I'd say let's play Dice Town every time, but I mean it's a perfectly good game. I just never it never satisfied me. It never had like that full like oh yeah, okay, this is really satisfying like thing to it. It just felt like okay, this is an activity we're doing. Um I like it perfectly fine. And if you ask me to play Jason, I'll play. Um but I'm not gonna own a copy. It didn't hang around in my collection. So I'm guessing this one falls in that maybe three hundred to three fifty range in my rankings. Yeah, I mean, again, I don't only reason it's on my list so high is because I played it so much, and every time I bust it out, it's a good gateway. So I think just because it works so well, I had to put it on the list. Totally fair. And like in the next top ten, like that for for next week, there's a couple games in here that I'm like, ah, eh, that game on its own isn't amazing, but the experiences I've had with it and the way how it brings people into a game, 
make it awesome. So, um, yeah, I'm with you. I understand that. Cool. My number 73, Jason, is a game that I don't understand why it's so low. I do understand why it's so low. I just don't play it that much. Um, that's Five Tribes. This is a really good game from Days of Wonder. Uh, it's got this cool, like, Mancala type thing where you're picking things up, dropping them on a path, and then wherever you end up at, you you get a benefit, basically. Um, or if you can match up, you take, you take that color, all that color off there. And then if you can figure out how to, like, clear a tile out, that's good for you. Um, and then there's other ways to get some just different benefits there. You can get little... I guess they're gins, they call them, but like little guys that do work for you um, that kind of help you be powered up a little bit. Uh, got really cool wooden components in it. Good tiles, great art. Production on it's just really great. Game's fairly simple, but it makes you think. Like it's got, this is one of those games that too can get bad. If you're playing a guy with somebody who wants to min-max a game and just absolutely is set on winning, then it's kind of woof. If this is something that you're going to play like, a quarter casually and just kind of enjoy it as an activity. Um, but also like play it kind of competitively, but not trying to math out every different tile, every turn, then it's fine. Um, it's just a select crowd of people like seriously will do that where they take every tile and they try and math out every possibility to try and maximize their move. And that's no fun. That's the only caution I would give on this, but otherwise a great game, five tribes. Yeah, I agree. This is probably one of my favorite days of wonder games. It's probably higher on my list. I don't know. I haven't looked, but I do really enjoy this game. Yep. All right. So my number 72 is going to be surprising because I'm kind of surprised by it. And <laughs> it's a USAopoly game. Ooh. It's a co-op game. Ooh. And it is an IP theme. So this is the Harry Potter Battle for Hogwarts deck building game. Huh. Yeah. I like. I don't know why me and Katie have played this game so many times. We have the monster book of monsters expansion or whatever it is and i don't know we get our butts handed to us all the time because it is brutally hard and we just it's just a fun game like we've all watched we've watched all the harry potter movies multiple times and the theme kind of draws you in because you're you know you got to kill Voldemort because he's terrible so we're just trying you know and it's deck building so you're buying cards you're playing cards you get to roll some dice occasionally it's a an easy to learn deck builder kind of an entry to deck building but it's super hard when you're actually playing it. So that's my number 72, Harry Potter Battle for Hogwarts. I think this one looks really cool. I think it looks like this is the one that's kind of got like uh, the box looks a little bit like a wooden crate almost or right, something. Yeah. Is that the one? Yeah, it looks really cool, actually. Um, haven't played it at all uh, because I'm too busy playing games like my number 72 which is Pressman Toy Let's Go Fishing Game Classic, <laughs> where you have the little magnetic fishing pole, and the fish open their mouths and close them, and you're trying to pull the fish out. It's just such a clever, cool That's game. a great game, man. I'm lying. That was a good joke. Uh, my number 72 is Tiny Epic Galaxy. Um, for the size of box this one plays in, plays out of, it's a cool game. I, I think it's just a really great game. Gives you a pretty rich kind of 4X-y experience uh, in a tiny little box. Um, a little better than Tiny Epic Kingdoms. Um, just it just has a little bit better mechanical stuff to it. Um, if this one weren't in space, if this were like underwater or in the Mediterranean, you'd really enjoy it, Jason. Um, it's a it's a cool game. Uh, the theme isn't for everybody, Jason, <laughs> but it's a it's a it's a good game. It's a really good game for the price, um, and it's kind of hard to find sometimes because people have figured out it's a great game. Um, just really do enjoy this game, and it's compact portable it makes it so high on the list too because of that 
but it also is this low on the list because of that too. I kind of feel like this game was a good enough game that they could have made everything in it 50% larger and made it easier to see things and whatever. And it would have maybe been a little more popular yet. Um, but the fact that it's compact, it's a gimmick, but it does kind of work to take it places. This is a ticket to grandma game. Yeah. So this is going to blow your mind. This is my favorite space game. I've actually played this game probably 10 times, maybe. Wow. Yeah, I like this game a lot. It's fun. Rolling some dice, moving your little do- your little spaceship around to gather resources and claim planets. Yeah, I like this. This is a a space game that, yeah, it's in space, but you kind of can look over that when with the mechanism. So, yeah, I like this game a lot. Jason's favorite space game is Tiny Epic Galaxy. Uh, in related news, my favorite STD is... Um, <laughs> Yeah. Maybe not finish that statement. Those are similar ideas, though, I think. <laughs> yeah, and that being said, it's not even in my top 100. So Yeah. But if I had to play a space game, this is the one I would pick for sure. It's my favorite Tiny Epic game. Um, it's not my favorite space game, I don't think. It might be. Oh, that's crazy. Huh. Uh, I don't think it's my favorite space game, but maybe it is. Wow, nice. Yeah, I think you already said Empires cool. of the Void, too, I think. Maybe I did. And I don't know. I yeah, did. I don't know. It all, it all blurs together. I think that was on my top 10 for 2018. Oh, that could be. I'm not sure where it's at on this that list. That could be. That's a good game, too. All right. So my number 71 and the last one I'm going to talk about for this list this week is a game by Paolo Mori. Probably not the last game. There's already mm-hmm. been one, I believe, but this may not be the last one. I hope this is the one I think it is. <laughs> and it might not be the one you think it is. The theme is Pirates. Mm, this is a good one, So too. this game is Libertalia. Um, I don't know. There's something. This is essentially like a Citadels type game where everybody has these roles that they're playing. And if you play the same role, then it triggers off of based on who has the highest number in the bottom of their card. And you're trying to get booty off of the treasure, off the boat. You're trying to get like swords so you can kill people's characters. You're trying to play characters that are going to activate with the characters you already have alive in your boat. You may want to bring somebody back to life. It's just a fun game. Kind of trying to outguess each other. So if you like simultaneous card play and trying to outguess your opponents and maybe get a little nasty with each other, I recommend Libertalia, my number 71. You know who doesn't love this game and doesn't have it ranked at number 71? You. Bruno Fadini. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, he does not. <laughs> Apollo, why are you going to kill him a game? What's going on with you? <laughs> Bruno Fadini is Italian now. <laughs> I, get, I don't know. What is he? I think he's French. Uh, no, no, he's, he's definitely from Italy. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> but, but, uh, but for sure, uh, he hates this game because this definitely killed Citadels. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, I, I mean, it's just, it does what Citadels does better. Uh, that whole like role selection thing. It's just, it's a good game, really good game. But I think that like, honestly, Paulo should have been like, I'm going to put a footnote in here that says, thanks Bruno for for letting me steal a really good design idea. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's funny. 71. 71. Uh, I was thinking of Michelangelo. That's why I was doing the Italian accent. Because this next game, I'm going to pretend, is from Italy. It probably is, actually. Fresco. Uh, this is like one of the first family games I played, family weight games that I played uh, in the new era of board gaming. It was an awesome clearance. I got like 80% off at Barnes & Noble, so that makes it sweeter to me yet. Um, and then I traded it away because I thought I was too cool for it. 
And then I bought it back because it's a Queens game and it was on sale for nine bucks on Amazon <laughs> one day. So um, I bought it at a bargain twice. So that makes it a pretty sweet game for me. I love a bargain, but it's just a good game, period. It's got, it's like one of the first games that I've ever played to that had the, like, you can choose to go earlier in the turn order or go later and get more things, like a, a handicapping for going later. And so you have to decide how important is it to me that I go out and do the exact thing I want to do or how, how well can I come up with a plan B if I can't do the exact thing I want to do. And if I can do a plan B and kind of wait till later to go in the round, then I think I can get a little bonus paint or whatever from, from not quite going quite as early. So I've seen that in games like Viticulture and stuff since, but this is the first one I remember that kind of did that. Um, kind of a cool just uh, how you're trying to like – collect certain paints to do certain things kind of game um just a really rock solid overall family weight kind of fun game yeah i agree uh i've actually used this as a gateway game which seems crazy and it's actually gone over pretty well once you can once you can explain the simultaneous action selection thing i don't think it's like far off from being a gateway game honestly i mean like yeah especially if you're using revolution as your very first gateway game like you like to do yeah true that's true because i mean these are like there's some familiarity between the two, like player shield things that happen in both the games. I don't know. Um, yeah, Fresco, 71. Cool. Yeah, that may or may not be higher. I actually don't know, but I do really enjoy this game. <laughs> awesome. Uh, yeah, I, good. a good 10. I'm, I'm ready to go with another 10, but I don't think that I should because, you know, <laughs> like we'll just wait till next week. Yep, yep, I agree. I got to go punch out Teo Tawakin, man. Yeah, you do. And I've got to go uh, polish my copy of Gugong, <laughs> which, I mean, it really is a beautiful it game. It really is. Like, I mean, it's it's shelf presence is going to make it worth hanging on to. For sure. And, and, like, I'm pretty happy to, I'm pretty happy to, you know, hang on to it for a while and play it a few times with different player accounts. But, yeah, uh, we'll see. Next time that I've got here, oh, man, there's some real sweet ones in there. There's There's at least one game in Jason's top 10 in my next 10. So hang on for that. Um, and then there's a, one of my top 10 that I'm the only person I know who's ever played this game. So, um, yeah, hang on, come back next week. My next 10 are all mass market games. Ooh, that's pretty cool. I, I, I'm going to do it, Jason. I'm just going to tell mine. Number, number 69, number 70 is don't step in it. The new poop game for kids. <laughs> Dang it. That's mine, number, man. Number 69 is pop the pig. 68. Don't spill the beans. <laughs> 67, Soggy Dog. Have you played Soggy Dog yet? I have, man. I just got done playing it. Right before I bought Teo to Walk and I was playing Soggy Dog. Uh, Mousetrap, then Dude, Trouble. Dude, Then Pot. On a serious note, I played Mousetrap a lot when I was a kid. <laughs> and then and then Pot. That's why you're so jumpy now. <laughs> like You get startled very easily. Yeah. Uh, Hi-Ho Cheerio, Pictionary, and then the Lucky Ducks game, which is a really <laughs> good one that you can get from Pressman. That's a great list, man. I'll save mine for next week so we don't have spoilers. I only got to number 62, Jason. Here's number 61. It's Giggle Wiggle, the uh, family game by Goliath Games. Um, I do have the Walmart family board games page open. I'm not this quick with coming up with chunky games. I was going to say, wow, you really know these games. That was impressive. You shouldn't have said that. You know what? After we get in with this top 10, I'm going to make a Jason, we're going to test your knowledge of just like, you know, every board game. So I'm going to make a fake game up and a real game up. And you're going to see if you can figure out which one's which. Sounds good. It's coming. And yeah, listen, I know that this this has been a Cold War where we haven't really stoked the fires in a while. But Brothers Murph, still, it's on the table, bud. We'll take you in any trivia match you want to give to us. 
Yeah, I think we could take him. All right. Well, I'm glad no one listens to this point of the show. So uh, <laughs> thanks for listening, though. And we'll see you next week. Check out our YouTube channel. Check out our Facebook. It's all there. Um, yeah. We'll, we'll catch you guys next week. I've been Joel. And I'm Jason. Keep kidding. Keep kidding.